Good morning, everyone. Oh, I'm so thankful to see everyone here today. Welcome to Crestview Baptist Church. I want to welcome you and uh, thank you for coming to worship with us today. If you're a guest or a visitor here for the first time, there are some uh, cards, uh, some visitor cards we'd ask if you can to fill out so we can just get to know you a little better and uh, some information about you and drop it in the wooden box on the left when you go out the side door there. Um, just a few announcements um, going into this week. Uh, youth, if you're interested in going to the Unite event on the 4th and the 5th of March, it's just here in Shelby, and it'll just be during the day, uh, let me know um, by today. And uh, the cost for that is $25. Uh, so, but if you let me know today, I'll get you signed up for that. And uh, like I said, $25 covers a T-shirt, uh, like a goodie bag they're going to give out and a meal on uh, for lunch and supper on Saturday. And uh, we will worry about supper on uh, Friday before we head over there. It starts at 6 o'clock that evening. Um, don't forget our uh, Bible studies and our youth and children um, activities on Wednesday night at 630 uh, next week is the third Sunday, so we have our uh, deacons meeting that morning and in a business meeting following church, uh, following worship service that day. Uh, I don't think, oh wait a minute, Miss Joy has an announcement, and then uh, after that I'm going to turn it over and just uh, invite you guys to focus your hearts on the Lord. Good morning. Uh, I just wanted to remind everybody about WMU. It's this week on Thursday evening at 6.30 at my house. And if you need directions or anything, just call me. And we're going to do it at 6.30 this time because I work until 5 or a little bit after, and that'll give me time to get home and get ready. And also, uh, the adopt-a-child thing that we've been doing for the last couple years through WMU will be due again in March, and I know many of you have helped with it in the past and wanted to give you that opportunity again. If you want to give, you can see me or Michaela, and we'll take your money and get it to United Christian Missions by March. And this is our little boy, Jacob. No, Brian, I'm sorry. Where did I get Jacob? <laughs> Anyhow, uh, if anybody wants to see his picture or anything, I'll be glad to show it to you. Thank you. Good morning. It is good to see you here this morning, and I'm sure we have several joining us online this morning. So it is good to have everybody with us today. And um, just continue to pray for people in our church. We do have a few that are still dealing with sickness. Um, we do have a couple that are, are, are right now positive with COVID. So pray for them as well as ones that are going through um, waiting for surgeries um, to take place or recovering from surgery. Um, continue to pray for Marilyn Schaus's son, Michael, in Wisconsin. He's in, um, recovering from a very extensive um, back surgery, um, but pray for him, pray for Marilyn as she cannot be with him. Also continue to pray for Myra Cook's son, Chris and Myra. Um, Chris is in the hospital right now with COVID pneumonia and, um, Mar and, and you know, he is the one that helps take care of Myra. Mom is running errands for her and everything like that. So pray for them both. Um, pray for Chris's wife as well. And um, at this time, if you would please join me in prayer as we begin our time of worship. Our blessed Heavenly Father, we humbly bow before your throne, dear Lord. We thank you for who you are, for your character. Dear Lord, we thank you for your wisdom. But most of all, we thank you for salvation that comes through your son, Jesus Christ. 
Dear Lord, we have gathered together today to worship you. But dear Lord, we don't want it to be just something that we do out of habit. Something that we do out of sheer repetition. Dear Lord, what we want is for everything that is done and said here today, dear Lord, to be real, to be true, and to be glorifying to you. Dear Lord, that we ask that your spirit move among your people this morning. That you reach down into the very depths of our soul and you grab hold of us, dear Lord. You shake us to the core so when we leave this place today that we will know that we have been in the house of God and that your countenance will shine upon our faces so people will know that we have been in the presence of the Lord. Dear Lord, we seek to be your disciples this morning. Change our hearts. And above all, dear Lord, may the gospel be spoken here today. May hearts and lives be changed so that we will become more and more like our Lord and Savior. And as we begin this time together, dear Lord, we ask that you control everything. That you will take over this service this morning, dear Lord. And you have your way with us today. And it is in the blessed and precious name of our living Savior, Jesus Christ, that we pray. Amen. Would you stand as we sing our hymn of praise, number 210, My Jesus, I Love Thee. 210, would you stand please? Thank you. For sermon. I'm excited to have you guys. I'm excited to be here today. Um, tomorrow is a special kind of holiday. Does anybody know what tomorrow is? Can anybody look up here and maybe tell me what tomorrow is? It's Valentine's Day. Thomas, you, you're good smart stuff right there. Tomorrow is Valentine's Day. And you think, why are we talking about Valentine's Day in children's church? It doesn't have anything to do with God, right? Or does it? Because Valentine's Day is all about what? What is Valentine's Day all about? Sharing love with others. That's right. And so 
Um, Kira, who's somebody you love? That is not what, no, that isn't even what I was getting at. Uh, you could say mom or dad. <laughs> Listen, I was not playing. That's not what I meant to happen. She says she loves Miss Sandra. Good. Um, Sakura, who's somebody you love in your life? Your baby sister. Thomas, who do you love? <laughs> yes, me and you both, dude. That's what I'm talking about. Right here. Captain America. Oh, and Artie. I love Artie, too. He's pretty cool. And me? Oh, nice. Peyton, who do you love? Paw Patrol. What do you love, Isabel? Your family. Love is, can be over so many things, but guess who loves us more than anything? More than you could ever imagine. God, that's exactly right. And I'm going to share a verse with you that tells us just how we know that God's love is greater than anything. It can't be overshadowed or outdone by anything. John chapter 15 verse 13 says this, Greater love has no one than to lay one's life down for his friend. What did Jesus Christ do for us? Did he lay his life down for us? And did God send Jesus to die for us? He did. And in, but was that it? End of the story? He died and that was it? No, he rose again. But he still was willing and loved us enough to lay his life down for us. We're going to talk about that a little bit more. And we're going to make some special cards for some people we love today when we go out to Children's Church. And, if you're, and uh, we're going to be in the fellowship hall out here. So let's bow our heads and let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, thank you so much for this day. For each one of these boys and girls that are here, thank you for the love that you give us by sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for our sins and to rise from the grave on the third day so we can spend an eternity with you. And thank you for all the people that you put in our life that love us and that we can love in return. All this we ask in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.
Thank you, choir. Let me get that thing out of the way there. You know, um, over the last several months, we've been seeing a trend within our churches that has become very disturbing. You see, well, let me back up. Do you guys realize that in Southern Baptist churches, there are more Southern Baptist churches in America than there are McDonald's and Subway restaurants combined. Do you guys realize that? You can't go into a small town anywhere and there not be either a Subway or a McDonald's. And the average size of these Southern Baptist churches are 100 members. So small churches, but they are everywhere. But it is becoming more and more common for people to walk away and just leave. And there is a call for unity within the Southern Baptist Convention. There's call for unity within, the, within all churches, every denomination. A call for unity. But what we're really being asked to do when people are calling for unity is they are asking us to water down what we stand for so that other people are comfortable with it. That's, what they're, that's what's being called for. So I want us to look at Scripture today, and I also want to remind you this, that the more things change, the more they stay the same. You ever heard that saying before? And that is the truth. Because any issues that we deal with in churches today have already been dealt with in Scripture by those that were leading the church at that time. Paul, the writer of the majority of the New Testament, has dealt with every issue that we face today back in the early church. So we're going to look at what Paul says about unity. So if you would turn in your Bible to Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to look at the first six verses of that chapter. This is Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, the, the Ephes Ephesian church. Man, that, that was almost a tongue twister right there. So if you would stand as I read this, it's also going to be on your screen. It's also printed in your bulletin. So Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, and this is what Paul writes. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, entreat you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing forbearance to one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit, in the bond of peace, there is one body and one spirit, just also you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for what the Apostle Paul writes here in this letter. Dear Lord, there is nothing new that we deal with. Help us understand what you are saying through these words that Paul wrote. And above all, dear Lord, may your name be glorified today. And it is in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So Christian unity. Let's look again at what Paul writes here in verses 1 through 3. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness and patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the, of the Spirit and the bond of peace. The first thing that I want you to notice here is the wording that Paul uses tells us that 
that unity is not something that we should work to achieve, but it is something that we have already received. Okay, look at this in verse 3. Being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Those words there implies that we've already received it. It doesn't say work toward unity, does it? What does he say in that verse? Being diligent to do what? Preserve. That means it already exists. We already have it. We just have to work on keeping it. You see, once we become a Christian, once we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, we immediately have unity with other Christians. Okay, immediately. It's our job. Not, I tell my son this all the time. Your job, when he got engaged, his job was no longer to get her to say yes. His job was not to mess it up. That's the same principle here. Our job is no longer to get unity. God did that. Jesus Christ did that. The Spirit did that. Our job is not to mess it up. And as everyone sitting in this congregation knows, when we start doing things on our own accord, what do we do? We mess it up. Everything. But Paul tells us how to preserve this unity that we've received. He tells us. We just have to pay attention to what he's telling us. Verse 1 and 2, he tells us how to preserve this unity. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord. I think that's great. Remember, I preached a while back about, or last week or the week before, about being a bondservant of Christ. And what that meant to be a bondservant. Well, now he's saying, I am a prisoner. I am captive. That would make a good country love song, wouldn't it? I am a prisoner to your love. But that's what he's saying. I've been captured by Jesus. And I am his prisoner. I, I am captivated by him. Implore you. Basically, he is begging us. He is, in, he is begging, literally begging us to walk in the manner worthy of our calling. Well, how do we go about that? In humility. So we have to be humble. Number one. We have to be humble in order to keep the unity, to preserve the unity. We have to be humble. What does that mean? That means that nobody thinks higher of themselves than they ought to. Be humble. Second thing he tells us. And gentleness. Be gentle. Sometimes, some of us, myself included, are very harsh in our words. We are not gentle. We want to take this book, the Word of God, the sword. And we want to do like Peter, and we want to start slashing it. Yes, this sword is a weapon. But it needs to be yielded in gentleness. It is not used to attack each other. But it is used, I mean... Paul writes to Timothy, and he tells us what the, what the word's used for. It's used for edification, for building up, for correcting, for guiding, instructing. It's not used to tear down. And then the third thing he tells us to be in dealing with each other is with patience. <clears throat> Listen, we live in a society today that is not very patient. I've told you this before. Every one of us has probably got a microwave in our house. We go to the grocery store, we buy meals that you pop in the microwave. 
And we sit there waiting for that microwave. What would normally take an hour or two to cook, regular, takes just a few minutes in their microwave. And we will sit there and watch. Man, hurry up. I wish this thing, I'm, so, I'm hungry. I can't wait 30 seconds to eat. But I even find myself driving down the road. And I hate to say this, but I got aggravated the other day at some man that let other people in traffic because I wanted to get where I was going. And he was doing what he should have done. He was being polite. He was being courteous. And he was letting somebody in in front of him. And I'm throwing my hands up. What in the world are you thinking? we got to get through this light. And I'm not the only one of guilty of that. But we deal with each other. And you have to realize, Paul is not talking about dealing with lost people here. He is talking about dealing with each other, with other Christians. And how impatient can we be with others? That we are not very patient. We get tired of them. We get tired of them growing. Not everybody is at the same place in their walk with Christ. Not everybody is mature. Some people are still young because they've not been discipled yet. They may be... Listen... You made me get mad at me for saying this, but we have some Christians that have been Christians for years, but they're still infants as Christians because they've not been discipled. We have failed in that aspect. I've said this many times. We have failed in making disciples because we are not teaching people the way we should. Across the board, in Baptist churches, we get people saved, we get them baptized, and that's it. They're left to their own accord at that point. Yes, they're members of the church. Yes, they come to church. But there's nobody taking them under the wing and nobody disciple them, teaching them what it means to be a disciple of Christ. So we lose patience with those people. And when, the, when we lose patience with those people, what do they do? They leave. Because what we're telling them and what we're showing them are two very different things. And then the fourth thing, and I have to explain this one a little bit. It says, showing tolerance for one another in love. Showing tolerance for one another in love. He is not talking about the tolerance that we get told today. That we should be more tolerant of others. More tolerant of others' beliefs. That's not what he's talking about here. You see, this early church, this church at Ephesus, it is a picture of diversity. You have Jew, Jews, you have Gentiles. You have people that have come out of idolatry. You have people that are from different customs, different socioeconomic backgrounds, different education backgrounds. They are the picture of diversity. And he's telling them, he's speaking to the Jews. To be tolerant of the Gentiles. He's speaking to the Gentiles. Telling them to be tolerant of the Jews. He's telling the rich to be tolerant of the poor. And he's telling the poor to be tolerant of the rich. He's telling the, the, the Middle Eastern people to be tolerant of the Greeks. He's telling the Greeks to be tolerant of those from Africa and Egypt. He's telling them to be tolerant of the different, different groups these people are coming from. 
He is not telling them that Christians, you need to be tolerant of these people that are, are worshiping idols. That's not what he's saying at all. Because he goes on and tells them what Christian unity, what is it that, that causes us to have Christian unity? We'll look in verses 4 through 6. There is one body and one spirit. Just also you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and in all. Or through all and in all. Do you guys realize that just in those, six, those three verses right there, how many times he, he uses the word one? Seven times in three verses, he uses the word one. When you're looking at numerology and, 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 and numbers in the Bible, the number seven signifies what? Do what? Completion. Perfection, completion, any times, any time. <laughs> any time that you hear the word seven or the, the number seven, it means complete. It means perfect. So here Paul uses the number one seven times to signify what it is that we have in common. We have unity because of what we share in common. And I want us to look at this. In Jesus, we share one body. In Jesus, we share one spirit. In Jesus, we share one hope. In Jesus, we share one Lord. In Jesus, we share one one faith. And in Jesus, we share one baptism. And in Jesus, we share one God. You see, each of these things, these common areas is greater than any potential differences that we may have. Do you guys realize that? What we have in common is who? Jesus. And just as the veggie tales say, God is bigger than the boogeyman. If God is bigger than the boogeyman, he's bigger than any differences that we can have. We have common ground at the foot of the cross. We have common ground at the empty tomb. We have common ground in the baptistry waters. We have common ground in this church. That is where we get Christian unity. It's because we have one Savior. And everything that we have is through Him. So what is Christian unity not? What is it not? Well, Christian unity is not always agreeing on everything. We're going to have differences. We're going to disagree on some things. I'm going to tell you something, church. There are people within this church that I do not agree with politically. But you know what? That's okay. Because I love them. And hopefully they love me. And I can have some very good conversations with them about these differences. You don't have to agree with somebody. I don't agree with my children. Listen, I thought, I thought having, having toddlers was difficult. When you have six kids, I mean, Laura, when you, have, when you get outnumbered, it, but then they get to be teenagers and you think you're going to die. Okay, I'm down to two of them at home, and these last two, I'm too old to deal with teenagers anymore. I, I'm, I, oh. 
I must have been able to deal with it a lot better when I was younger. I can't deal with it now. I lose it. I lose it all the time. But, but what's difficult that far surpasses the teenage years is when they become adults and they move out on their own and you get sidelined and you have to sit, take a seat and watch from the sidelines what they're doing and you have no say-so in it. It brings flashbacks of sitting on that bench during ball games and having to sit there and just watch. That is hard. I don't always agree with the decisions they make. Sometimes it makes me sick physically watching the mistakes and, and having to sit back and little make them. But you know what? No matter how much I may disagree with them, I still love them. And they are still my children. And nothing will ever change that. Now I'm going to break something to you. These people sitting in this congregation today that have claimed the name of Jesus Christ have accepted His saving grace. There is nothing that you could ever do to take that away from them. They are your brothers and sisters in Christ, period, end of story. And you cannot change that, no matter how much you, they, what they, they do makes you sick. No matter how much you feel like you can't change them. Here's another secret. It's not your job to change them. That is the job of the Holy Spirit. Your job is to pray for them. Your job is to help them. Your job is to love them. Your job is to be patient with them. Your job is to be tolerant of them. But nowhere, when Paul's telling us how to maintain that Christian unity, does he ever say that we have to agree with them? Does he? I challenge anybody to show me in those, those first, four, or first three verses where Paul says you have to agree with each other. Jesus never intended us to be just alike. This is a relationship. It's not a religion, and thank goodness it's not a cult. Because the cults are the ones that want everybody to be the same. They want you to look alike. They want you to talk alike. Christianity is a relationship. If you look at Scripture, God used countless men to write this book. He inspired them, which means God breathed into them the words to write. But He allowed them to use their own perspectives. He allowed them to use their own style. He allowed them to use their own words. But He inspired them on what to write and when to write it. This book is very different. But church, we don't have to agree with each other to have unity. Because God inspires us. We could have the same verse and, and three different people read it and you're going to have three different opinions on what that verse says. Because God's going to use that verse to speak to us all differently. Another thing that Christian unity is not is unity is not seeing everything as equally true and right. What does that mean? That means wrong is wrong regardless of how you look at it. Right is right no matter how you look at it. Everything is not equal. Everything is not right. I cannot look at Islam and say that's the same thing. I am not going to pull aspects of Islam and incorporate it into 
my Christian beliefs because they're not the same. Just as I am not going to pull in Hinduism into my Christian beliefs because they are not the same. Everything is not equal. Everything is not the same. And I'm going to tell you this. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through who? Me. It is not all the same. And Christian unity does not mean that it has to be. And we have to understand that. Being accepting of other people does not mean that you see what they're saying or how they're living as right and correct and true. It means that we love them despite of that and hopes that we will bring them to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Another thing that Christian unity is not, it is not compromising the Word of God to accommodate everyone. Let me tell you something, church. This book is perfect. This book is truth. This book is the living Word of God. This book is the foundation of what we stand on. And you cannot love God. You cannot serve Jesus without loving His Word. It is impossible. And we cannot compromise what this Word says. I have never been accused of being politically correct. I am definitely not called woke. I had to look that word up because I didn't know what it meant in, in today's context. I don't teach and I will never preach critical race theory from this pulpit. But what I will preach is for God so loved the world that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have ever La or God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life that means this I don't care who you are I don't care where you, what you look like where you came from, how much money you have how skinny you are, how fat you are how pretty you are, how ugly you are how famous you are how in the gutter you are it does not matter because whosoever surely meaneth me. It means each and every one of us. That's what I will preach. I will not tell somebody that's of a different race that they cannot come to church here. I will never tell them that. Because the Bible says that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, will be saved. I will never tell a homosexual that they can't come to church here. But if they, I will tell them that if you come to church here, you will hear the truth. And you will hear it in love. And the Bible says that this lifestyle is a sin. That's what they will hear. But they will also see that we love. I will not tell them they can't come. Because that is not scriptural. I will not tell an adulterer that they can't come. I will not tell a thief that they can't come. I will not tell a liar they can't come. Because everybody needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ.
Everybody, regardless of where they come from, need to hear that Jesus loves them and what he did for them. But they also need to know what the word of God says. The Great Commission tells us to go out and make disciples of all nations, but not only getting them saved, and it says baptizing them, but what does it say that we should do after that? Teaching them to do what? Obey all that I have commanded you. Well, where does those commandments, where can we find those commandments? Right here. And I will not compromise this book to make people feel comfortable. I cannot stand behind this pulpit and compromise that. And that's not what Christian unity is. Because there's one truth. And we have to stand firm on that. But Christian unity is also not covering up or ignoring issues to make people comfortable. You know, it's one thing, we all know this, that there's issues sometimes that arise. There's differences, there's difficulties. You ever seen these family pictures? If it's anything like ours, there have been many times that the, the, the photographer had to take Several takes to get that one perfect picture that makes us look like the perfect family with no problems. But when you're looking through them, you see things like one. We got a picture of Timothy and Jonathan and, and Trey together when Timothy was a baby. And Jonathan's eyes look they're about, like they're about to bug out because Timothy's leaning over. Trey's holding him. Timothy's leaning over top of Jonathan, grabbing his head, and he's like, like this and Jonathan's like we've got that picture because it was so funny we had to buy it but how many times do large families get together and somebody's mad somebody's crying somebody's upset somebody's losing patience and that poor photographer has to work through all of that and finally gets a picture that makes everybody look saintly and like all the children are little angels. That's the picture that we want to portray of our churches, isn't it? Like we have no issues. Well, here's the thing. We are very imperfect people trying to serve a very perfect God. And we're going to make mistakes. We're going to have issues. Hiding them and covering them up does not help anybody. You know why a lot of people don't come to church? Is they say, well, I, I don't feel like I fit in there. I'm not good enough. good do you have to be? Paul says that he is the chief of sinners. How many churches did he start through his missionary journeys? But he calls himself the chief of sinners. Did Paul ever lose his temper with anybody? Oh yeah. How do we know? It's in the Bible. Did he ever write people off that didn't do what he wanted them to do? Oh, yeah. How do we know that? It's in the Bible. David. I love that song by, uh, is it Casting Crowns? That uh, Moses had stage fright. He was a stutterer. David was an idolater. Abraham was a liar. Rahab was a harlot. Those of you that don't know what that means, it means she was a prostitute. Peter had a huge ego. Paul was a murderer. Did God use them? Yep. 
doesn't matter to God how good you think you are. What matters to God is how willing you are to let him do with you what he wants to do. That's one thing I love about our church. You look around. Sometimes we have people in overalls. We have people in three-piece suits. Sometimes if the weather's nice, we have people in shorts. We have people in t-shirts. We have people in polos. We have people in... doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because we are imperfect people serving a perfect God. And it's about what God wants to do in us and through us. That's the most important thing. And we can't help anybody by covering things up. Do we have issues? Yes. But our issues are far surpassed by the grace of God shown on the cross. So what does Christian unity look like? It looks like different people from various backgrounds serving one God. Saved by the mercy and blood of one Savior, Jesus Christ. Being changed from the inside out by one Spirit. It is having one calling and making more disciples and building the kingdom of God. That's what Christian unity looks like. Compromising our biblical convictions and compromising the word of God to make it more appealing is not helping anybody. And that is not what unity is. Unity is not something that we create. It is something that we are given and that we must work diligently to maintain. Are you ready and willing to diligently work to maintain the unity that we have through Christ? Are you really willing and able? Do, do you desire to take the word of God out in love, not compromising anything? To share the word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ with those that you come in contact with. To build the kingdom, to bring more people into the unity that we share as Christians. Church, this is your opportunity right now. As the musicians and Sandra come, this is your opportunity to deal with God. If He is calling you to do anything, this is your opportunity right now to do those things. If it's go to somebody and talk to them, to ask forgiveness or give forgiveness, regardless if you've been asked for it, this is your opportunity to do it. If God is calling you to accept His Son as your Savior and make Him Lord of your life, today, don't leave this place without doing that. This is your opportunity. If you are looking for somewhere to, to join a very imperfect people and serving a perfect God and become a member of our church and our assembly here together, if, if, you are, if that's what you're looking for and you feel God calling you to do that, this is your opportunity. As we sing these two verses, do whatever God is telling you to do and do it now. 
Could you stand as we sing hymn number 384, The Bond of Love, 384. stop by our welcome center um, fill out a visitor's card for us if this is your first time visiting with us um, we would love to have record of your visit we don't want anything for from you we just want to know if there's anything that we can do for you any way we can pray for you or anything that we can help you with don't forget Wednesday night Bible study 630 we're going through the book of Acts um, here in the sanctuary as well as the children and youth meeting in the youth building at uh, 6.30 as well. Invite you to come join us then. And just remember all the announcements that were made about deacons meeting and, and business meeting and everything. WMU Thursday night at Joy's house. Please join us. And I'm going to ask Joy as we dismiss if she'll come and dismiss us in prayer. <laughs> Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing us all to be here today and for the message that we've heard. We just ask that you go with us and show us ways that we can use what we've learned today through the passages already shared with us. Be with us and keep us safe and uh, help everyone as they go through their week and to remember that you are the one that we love and that is in charge. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>